Sceptimus Deus misericordiam tuam in medio templi tui. We have received, O God, thy mercy in the midst of thy temple. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Last week we began reading at Matins the third book of Kings, the story of King Solomon. And we heard of his request for wisdom and for an understanding heart. Or at least that was the text which was very closely connected to what we were hearing in the Proverbs of the Mass. And we hear more about King Solomon this week. We hear about the climax of his reign, the dedication of the temple. And in fact, the dedication of the temple isn't only the climax of the story of King Solomon, it's in fact the climax of the entire history of the books of Kings. Just as the goal of the Exodus was the building of the tabernacle according to God's command, the plan shown to Moses on the mountain, the covenant made at Sinai, the establishment of the worship of God as he desired according to the law, and the descent of God's presence in the shining cloud that filled the tabernacle, with which the book of Exodus concludes. Even so, the goal of the whole history of the kingdom, as we've heard about it throughout the books of Kings in these last weeks, from the anointing of Saul, and then the rejection of Saul, and then the anointing of King David, and then finally the kingship of Solomon. The goal of all of this is God's dwelling among men in his temple. This is the promise that God made to King Solomon as he was preparing to build the temple. He tells him, If thou wilt walk in my statutes and execute my judgments and keep all my commandments, I will fulfill my word to thee which I spoke to David thy father, and I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel, and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the house and finished it. And the author goes on for chapters and chapters to describe exactly what the house looked like in painstaking detail. He, he tells us about the dimensions of it, about all the different parts of it, about what the decorations were like, about how high the columns were, the shape that they were, not only the structure of the temple, but all of the furnishings of the temple. He tells us all of these things in great detail because he's passionately interested in them. The people of Israel were passionately interested in this temple in which God would dwell among his people. This was the climax of their history up to that point. And so Solomon builds the temple and he dedicates the temple. And just as it happened on Sinai, so too in the 8th chapter as Solomon is dedicating the temple, is it came to pass when the priests were come out of the sanctuary that a cloud filled the house of the Lord, and the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon said, The Lord said that he would dwell in a cloud. Building I have built a house for thy dwelling, to be thy most firm throne forever. The Lord has descended in the cloud, and Solomon exclaims, is it then to be thought that God should indeed dwell upon earth? For if heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built? Solomon is in awe of the fact that God would choose to dwell in this house that he's built. And we hear this awe, this excitement of Solomon in the Proverbs of today's Mass. Sushepimus, we have received, O God, thy mercy in the midst of thy temple. Then we hear this same amazement in the Alleluia, this soaring seventh mode melody. Great is the Lord, and truly to be praised, greatly to be praised in the city of our God. This expresses 
the amazement, the excitement of Solomon and of all the people of Israel as God comes to dwell in the temple that he has built. But this temple isn't only a place of awe, a place of adoration before the immense majesty of God. Solomon goes on in his prayer dedicating the temple to beseech God that the temple shall be, above all, a place of mercy. He describes the various tribulations that Israel might endure. And he says, If thy people Israel shall fly before their enemies, and doing penance, confessing to thy name, shall come and pray, and make supplications to thee in this house, then hear thou in heaven, and forgive the sin of thy people Israel. He goes on, If heaven shall be shut up, and there shall be no rain, and they praying in this place do penance to thy name, then hear thou them in heaven, and forgive the sins of thy servants, and of thy people Israel. And if famine arise, or pestilence, or blasting, or locust, or mildew, if the enemy afflict them, besieging the gates, whatever curse shall happen to any man of thy people, when a man shall know the wound of his own heart, and shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear thou in heaven, in the place of thy dwelling, and forgive. The temple is to be a place where man can encounter the mercy of God. We have received thy mercy, O God, in the midst of thy temple. And yet, Solomon's temple was clearly not the final word. If we go on to read the books of Kings, it's really all downhill from there. Solomon's kingdom fails. Solomon himself has many great personal failings. The kingdom is divided after his death. Eventually, the kingdom is laid waste and taken captive into Babylon. The temple itself is destroyed. But the promise that God made to David stands firm, that the son of David, the true king of peace, the true Solomon, our Lord Jesus Christ, will build the temple not made by hands. This is what our Lord is doing throughout his public ministry and above all in his passion and death. He's inaugurating the worship of the new temple, the true temple, in which we encounter the mercy of God. And so what we see in the Temple of Solomon reaches its perfect fulfillment in the very last chapters of the scriptures, at the end of the Apocalypse, when the New Jerusalem comes down from heaven. And we hear the dimensions of the New Jerusalem and the materials which it's made of. This is what the Temple of Solomon was pointing to. But in the New Jerusalem, there is no temple, St. John says, because the, the Lord God himself is its temple and the Lamb. The Temple of Solomon points to the presence of God and the Lamb with his people in the New Jerusalem. But in between these two temples, the type in Solomon's temple and the full unveiled reality in the New Jerusalem, we have the sacramental reality that we live right now. We still worship in a physical building made by hands, but already in the Most Holy Eucharist, we are partakers of the kingdom which is to come. Already being filled with the Spirit of God, we are made sons of God, and we are made heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, as St. Paul said in the epistle. And as in the old temple, so here too we come to receive mercy. We come with whatever our wounds are, whatever our sins are, whatever our tribulations are. We come knowing that here we will encounter the presence of God in his Son, Jesus Christ, present in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Here we will receive his mercy in the midst of his temple. But there is one condition that 
God places on receiving this mercy of his. Estote misericordes, be merciful just as your father is merciful. And this is at least one way of reading the rather enigmatic parable that we hear in today's gospel. This unjust steward who's about to be dismissed from his master's service, who calls together the creditors, or the debtors rather, and engages in what would seem some rather questionable accounting procedures to make sure that he gets them on his side. Our Lord isn't intending us to imitate this in a literal sense, but the point that he's making is that even though this man has failed grievously, he's able to provide for himself by showing mercy in a certain way to these debtors of his master. He uses the mammon of iniquity, he uses this messy situation in order to provide for himself, in order to win these men to his side so that they will take him into their homes. The point for us is that all of us are stewards who have wasted the goods of our master. The goods of this world are all on loan to us from God, whether they be exterior goods or the goods of our own talents, our own physical health, our own life. All of us, if justice were meted out to us, would receive the same sentence that this unjust steward received, being released from the master's service. But we can nonetheless redeem the messy situation that we find ourselves in if we show mercy to those around us. If we bestow alms on those in need, whether literal alms or spiritual alms, through showing mercy to others, we dispose ourselves to receive the mercy of God. And in the final phrase of the Gospel, we hear, Make friends for yourselves through the mammon of iniquity, so that when you fail, they will receive you in eterna tabernacula, into eternal tabernacles. And here it seems to me is the link with the Temple of Solomon. If we have shown mercy in our use of this world's goods, the mammon of iniquity, no matter how grievously we might have failed, no matter how messy our life might have become, if we know how to show mercy, then God will receive us into the eternal tabernacles, into his temple, into his temple in which we receive mercy. Let us show mercy to others so that we can come confidently to the throne of mercy to receive grace and timely help. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.